Welcome back to Grid Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by no members of the collective. That's right, it is a solo show. We promised you some fantasy football content. So here we go. I'm going to roll, kick things off with a general draft strategy show. And I, I thought there was a couple of ways for me to do this. I was going to go really, really crazy. I just did a dynasty rookie draft and I was going to use that. But I was thinking maybe that's a little too inside baseball and a little too complicated. So what I decided to do is at 5.30 a.m. this morning, West Coast time, I fired up a mock draft on Fantasy Football Calculator. Dot com And I'm just going to run through some of my strategy in each round. Now, this isn't uh, a podcast that says you should take this player in this round because X. Uh, more so why I made my decisions and why I crafted my roster the way I did. You'll often hear people ask about, uh, in, in general fantasy football terms, you know, should I go running back to start? Should I get two running backs? Should I start with a wide receiver? When should I get a quarterback? And honestly, all of that depends on the draft. Things happen. You got to react. You have to be able to take in information and then make the best decisions with each and every one of your picks. It's it's a lot like poker for those of you that have found this venture uh, thanks to all of our poker backgrounds. The better you play is most likely based upon the information that you've acquired. In poker, you kind of have to dig deep read somebody or really pay attention to their betting patterns to try to formulate a story and range their hand. In fantasy football, everything's wide open. The draft is happening in front of you. You see the picks that people are making, and then you can assess those and hopefully make the best possible decision for yourself. Before I get into the mock draft, I want to remind you guys about our friends at footballcontest.com. Do you want to participate in the world's greatest sports betting contest but don't live in Nevada? Hello, raising my hand. Footballcontest.com has your back. All you have to do is register in person with a member of the footballcontest.com team at your side. And then during the season, you just email them your picks. It's that easy. No more sitting on the sidelines and watching the collective have all the fun during the football season. It's your turn to get in the action. Head to footballcontest.com and schedule your proxy service today. So for the mock draft at fantasyfootballcalculator.com, which is a great website for mocking and also for ADP average draft position data, when you go to the lobby, the first thing you do is you select your league type, which I picked a standard league, and then you pick your draft slot. Now, the reason I picked standard was because there were uh, no PPR drafts that I could do before <laughs> recording. Um, but also, I play in fewer standard leagues than PPR leagues, so I thought this would be a little more challenging for me. And honestly, standard leagues tend to be more challenging than PPR because there are fewer players scoring points. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, touchdowns Touchdowns are the be-all, end-all of fantasy football. They're worth six points. They're so valuable. And they're the hardest to predict. If we could predict touchdowns, well, if I could predict touchdowns, I'd be in the DraftKings Millionaire Maker every week, and I'd be seven figures, eight figures deep right now. But you can't. You can. It's much easier to project touches and yards, and if you are lucky enough, uh, those situations will happen at valuable times in the game, when the team is close to the red zone. 
So in and in PPR, you can supplement the players that don't score a lot of touchdowns with guys that catch the ball. So players like Julian Edelman become a little bit more valuable in PPR because they're running these three and four yard crossers all throughout the game and dink and dunking and picking up these little supplemental points where in standard you're only getting credited for the yards. Uh, running backs get a little bit of a boost in PPR as well. A guy like uh, Bilal Powell on my fighting New York Jets gets a bit of a boost, especially now with the Quincy Anunba neck injury. There's an outside chance that Powell is one of the leading receivers on the team uh, because of the lack of wide receiver depth. Theo Riddick, another player, uh, Duke Johnson, these guys get a boost in PPR, where in standard where you're really only getting a uh, big credit when you score a touchdown, you know, those guys become less valuable. And, man, I'll tell you, after the first couple rounds of this draft, um, it's tough. Standard standard is really tough. So I think I made some mistakes, to be be honest, in this draft. And uh, hopefully we can both learn from them. So I picked the fourth spot, uh, going back to the mock, and the reason I did that is because I feel like it's one of the biggest pressure points in the first round right now. We have the big two, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell. And if you have an argument for one or the other, and you're really strong about it, God bless. I think they're very similar players. We're cutting hairs, or splitting hairs, excuse me, uh, in saying that one is better than the other, one situation is better than the other. Honestly, the two slot might be the best place to pick in this year because you default by default, you get one of those two players. And then on the comeback in the second round, you get uh, at least one spot better than the first overall pick. So I really have no argument between those two. And then it gets weird because in the beginning of the summer, the third pick would have been a no brainer as well, at least in standard, it would have been Ezekiel Elliott. But now we have all these News stories about his previous transgressions when it comes to the uh, potential domestic violence. And then we have the alleged bar fight. Uh, Is any of it certain? Do we know he's going to be suspended? No, but again, we can only make decisions based upon the information that is available to us. And on the late round quarterback podcast recently, Adam Schefter, while he would not commit to the fact that there would be a suspension. You can't blame Shefty for he's he's not really one to uh, speculate. He's just delivering the news. He did say something to the tune of the NFL. It would be strange if the NFL dedicated a year to investigating Zeke and then nothing happened. So it seems like if I were to read the tea leaves, which is very dangerous, that we're looking at at least a one game suspension. But the waters are murky enough that I decided to. Uh, I decided to stay away in the four spot, and the person drafting in the three spot here decided to stay away as well. And then you default to the big three receivers. Uh, he took Antonio Brown, leaving me either Odell Beckham Jr. or Julio Jones, and I decided decided to take Julio. Again, totally personal preference. Now, this decision had effects on the rest of my draft. By not taking Ezekiel Elliott here and not getting a running back, I put myself in a situation in the subsequent rounds where uh, <laughs> I needed to fill that need. I needed to have two starting running backs 
on my roster. And that's one thing that the fantasy f- football drafts really differ from NFL drafts is you can't just pick best player available in fantasy football and make your roster fit around them. You have a set number of starting positions which you must fill every single week. You can't go into the draft and take someone like Christian McCaffrey and then put him in the slot and call him a receiver. Uh, He's a running back, so if you're going to play him, he's going to be in the running back slot. We do not have that luxury. So if anybody tells you draft best player available, uh, sometimes if you're in the later rounds and you're just throwing darts, then sure, throw a dart at the the best player available. But there is something about drafting for need, especially at receiver and running back. Uh, quarterback and tight end, which you'll see in a bit, uh, I don't think you need to draft early. Uh, but at running back and receiver, uh, don't keep piling on bench players when you need to fulfill that starting lineup. All right, on to the second round. <laughs> After I selected, Zeke went next, and then here are the running backs that flew off of the board. Shady McCoy, Devonta Freeman, Melvin Gordon, DeMarco Murray, Jay Ajayi, Jordan Howard, Todd Gurley, Leonard, Fournette. And I pooped my pants. There was no real opportunity for me to take a running back in the second round because I think taking Lamar Miller or Marshawn Lynch is a reach. Uh... Too early for Isaiah Crowell, too early for Christian McCaffrey, too early for Ty Montgomery. I didn't like it. Best receivers available were T.Y. Hilton, Doug Baldwin, Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, Terrell Pryor. Ugh, still didn't really like it. So I did something that I don't see myself doing in many drafts. And it was something that once I made the selection, I had to commit to the strategy. You've probably guessed it by now. I took... Rob Gronkowski in the second round. It is right at his ADP. This was the ninth pick of the second round. His current ADP is the eighth pick of the second round. I'm not really in love with it. Uh, As I said, I normally wait on tight end and quarterback because at both positions there is an elite tier and then the subsequent tier or tiers are so close that the difference between the top player in the tier and the bottom player of the tier is minuscule, meaning that you can just wait in the draft and get somebody as valuable as a player in the top of the tier without spending the kind of draft equity that the other guy did. Uh, I <laughs> threw that plan right out the window, and I took Gronk. Now, what does that mean for my team? That means I'm kind of committing to a zero RB-ish strategy. Uh when I swing around for my third pick, the running backs that I did not like are, are still going to be there. In fact, only one of them went off the board, and that's Isaiah Crowell. Now, I could have taken Ty Montgomery in a standard league. He's in a very efficient offense. The Packers are going to be in a lot of scoring opportunities. He seems to be the lead back. His only competition are two rookies. Jamal Williams is somewhat interesting, but uh, the I believe the kid Adams, the other rookie, um, not as interesting. And they're rookies. Uh, I think we saw what Zeke did last year, and even Derrick Henry to an extent, and it's kind of like the year Odell broke out. We think that young players might be able to just step into the league and have success again, but those guys are 
supreme outliers. It takes a while to get acclimated with the league, to get your body in professional shape, to understand the playbook, uh, to get into the weekly routine of professional football, playing a longer season. And Ty Montgomery, while he he himself has not put together a full season, he's at least been acclimated to the professional environment. And he knows the playbook, and he has a rapport with his teammates. So I think there might be an argument for taking Tymont in that spot. But I don't know. In standard, he has to find the end zone so many times for that pick to be worthwhile. And then Christian McCaffrey uh, was the other receiver, uh, the other running back, and I kind of alluded to the reason there in a Freudian slip why I didn't take him. I think we're going to see him a lot in the slot. I actually think we're going to see McCaffrey and Stewart on the field at the same time more often than you think, and I think he's going to win a lot catching the ball at or at, at or around the line of scrimmage, giving him more value in PPR. Uh, how many times is he going to find the end zone? He's got the best uh, red zone back under center. That's Cam Newton. <laughs> that guy, uh, I know they're going to try to limit his his running, try to protect him a little bit, but he's still you know, such a great threat in the red zone to score. And then Jonathan Stewart, I, I'm always a stand for Jonathan Stewart, but he is a uh, he's a big, strong back himself. So I don't know how many opportunities Christian McCaffrey is going to have to score when they're in close. He could be a Danny Woodhead type where he's coming out of shotgun and knifing through uh, near the end zone. But I think we're going to see him win more uh, catching the ball and running routes out of the backfield. So in standard, I'm, I'm less of a fan. So I went with who I thought the best receiver available was, and that is a guy that I'm very high on. The fantasy community is not very high on based upon his current ADP. And that's Brandon Cooks. And his current ADP is the early third round, which is where I selected him. Now, the routes where he wins the most, or at least throughout his career thus far, has won the most, are uh, not surprising. We're talking deep routes, deep posts, plays where he can get into, uh, get off his break, run downfield and have Drew Brees throw the ball a million miles and have him make a play. You've heard me on this podcast many times say that that is not Tom Brady's forte. Uh, and I don't think that where that is where he has to win often to be valuable in the spot. I don't think that Cooks is limited to those skills. I just don't think he was needed he needed to do those or was asked to do those in the same system. So I think that Cooks can play a Julian Edelman type role in this offense. You know, why can't he run those crossers? Why can't he run those short routes and then sprinkle in a couple, you know, nine routes and deep posts to keep the safeties uh honest? Uh Cooks is a really talented quick, agile, elusive player. He's basically a younger version of Julian Edelman, a player that, let's be honest, wrong side of 30 on the downside of his career. How many years can he keep competing and performing at the same level? Uh, And the Patriots went out and traded uh, some valuable assets for Cooks, which, uh, you know, Belichick, he's GOAT. He knows what he's doing. So if if he values the player, uh, I'm going to value the player. And Maybe his ceiling isn't a lot higher than his ADP. I can swallow that. Uh, But I think he is a valuable player. Now, here's the biggest problem with the selection I made here, and I didn't even think about it too much while I made it, is that he and Gronkowski are going to be competing for targets on the same team. Now, that kind of stinks. However, the Patriots have some of the most targets to share in the NFL. 
they're one of the most efficient offenses. They're going to have the most scoring opportunities, so I don't hate that too much. But I can definitely see reasons why you you might feel com- more comfortable taking the receivers that went after Cooks, including DeAndre Hopkins and Terrell Pryor. And as a matter of fact, if I had it all over again, I might take Pryor in this spot. I, I like the fact that he's entering Washington where they lost 200 targets in Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson and Terrell Pryor. Uh, it's just a big body dude that seems like he can win in the red zone. Uh, so in a standard league where we're not getting credit for volume uh, and we need those touchdowns, Terrell Pryor might've been a better pick in the spot. I, I, I you know, Brandon Cooks is somebody that I, I just, I'm just kind of in love with. So, but I think it's fair to say that I may have made a mistake with that pick. So it swings back to us in the fourth round. And again, since I've chosen to be committed to this strategy of wait on running back, uh, the guys that are available, CJ Anderson, bleh, Doug Martin suspended for the first couple games of the season. Paul Perkins, eh, a little more interesting. LeGarrette Blunt, a little more interesting. But there is a receiver available with the upside to be a top receiver. He's got a lot of question marks, unlike the man I passed in the first round. But in the fourth round, I'm a little bit more willing to gamble. And that's why I took Martavis Bryant of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers have an incredibly easy schedule. Here's some of the defenses they get to play this season. They start at Browns, and then in subsequent weeks, they play the Bears, the Jaguars, who actually could have a nice season this year, the Lions, the Colts, the Packers. Uh, They have, obviously, their second game against the Browns. So there are a ton of juicy matchups in there. Uh, And, you know, it's... Big Ben, it's Martavis Bryant, it's Antonio Brown. It's a high-power offense that is going to score a lot. Now, we're talking about touchdowns, and Martavis Bryant is a bit of a boom or bust player. He's kind of of that Deshaun Jackson mold. It's going to be difficult to know when to start him, but I'm selecting him to be my flex player behind Julio Jones, Rob Gronkowski, and Brandon Cooks, guys that... I'm hoping for week-to-week output from. So I can kind of have that analog uh, binary yes-no from Martavis Bryant in my flex spot where he can be a week winner uh, as my fourth best option, and that's that's pretty great to have. If he stinks, then I can fill out roles later in the draft to get more uh, secure players that can give me a more comfortable weekly output. But as my flex, I love a player with the upside of Martavis Bryant. All right, time to stop screwing around. Time to pick some running backs. My next five selections were running backs. And it makes sense, right? I filled out my two receiver positions with one absolute stud in Julio Jones, a pretty clear cut, at least in my opinion, wide receiver two in Brandon Cooks, could have been Terrell Pryor, and a flex, which is a weak winner in Martavis Bryant. I've got the best tight end in football. I think that goes to that question Rob Gronkowski. So I'm pretty secure. Uh, in terms of depth at those positions, yeah, it's going to be important to pick up some guys later in the draft. But honestly, 
if I get an injury in one of those positions, I'm going to pee pretty SOL uh, in the season. That's just how it goes. When you're high equity draft picks, whatever position you take get hurt, uh, you're going to be in trouble. So I can supplement some depth later in the draft, but I really need to focus on running back. I need to start throwing some darts at that position. So here are my next five picks, all running backs. LeGarrette Blount, Tevin Coleman, Frank Gore, Samaje Pirine, and Jaquiz Rogers. Uh, I'll start with Blunt. I'm not expecting another 18 touchdown season like he just had in New England. I do, however, think that the Eagles offense is sufficient enough to get into scoring opportunities and then hopefully convert on those um, this season. You know, they have a very uh, run-dedicated coach uh, in Philadelphia. He came from Kansas City. He worked with Andy Reid. He knows that running the football uh, is something that uh, can be effective. Um, And Doug Peterson, the way he limits the quarterback play as well in Carson Wentz, I think that having the back in that system uh, can be valuable because I don't, I don't think he wants to take too many chances, which means we're going to get a lot of touches out of the running back position. Uh, It seems like a crowded backfield uh, on the surface, but I don't know how much they love Ryan Matthews. There were talks of him getting cut before the preseason ends. And then Darren Sproles, he has his role. He's not going to be, uh, the bell carry. He's not going to get the ball 30 times a game and run through the tackles. He's going to play his role. He's going to catch some passes. He's going to go in the slot, but they need someone to carry the workload. And it seems like Blount is going to fulfill that. Uh, last season, uh, the Eagles were 11th in rush offense DVOA. So again, very efficient. Uh, so give me the guy that's in that offense. Give me the guy with the run heavy coach. Uh, and, Fifth round pick on LeGarrette Blunt, uh, not too bad for a guy who is a pretty much a proven red zone talent. And again, this is standard. We need touchdowns. We don't need uh, as many touches and yards as we do conversions. So that's why we got Blunt on the roster. Tevin Coleman, round six. Again, another guy PPR. I might love it a little bit more, but man, he uh, he played great last year in uh, when Devontae. Uh, spelling for Devonta Freeman. And the Falcons kind of figured out that Freeman is more efficient the fewer touches you give him, which makes sense. Like Darren Sproles, the player we just talked about, you don't want to run Freeman into the ground. That's not really his skill set. You want to give him valuable touches. Reminds me of Jamal Charles as well. We, we just talked about Doug Peterson, Kansas City, Andy Reid. You know, Jamal Charles could always get 15 to 17 touches and be effective because when he gets the ball, he is so explosive. He finds those holes. He's a satellite player. He makes people miss. But you don't necessarily want to tire that player out uh, in a single game or throughout the entire season by pounding him every single possession so that by week 11, the guy's a walking zombie and can't be as efficient. And I think the Falcons figured that out last year. We saw Freeman's touches drop to that uh, high teens amount, and Tevin Coleman got a ton of burn. In fact, if you look back at the Super Bowl, one of the turning points of the game was when Tevin Coleman uh, sustained an injury, uh, and he was unable to get back there and pass protection, protection and help Matt Ryan out. So Coleman is an integral part of this offense, and in the situation, if there ever was one, that Freeman sustained an injury, Coleman would get the lion's share of the work in one of the most efficient offenses 
in the league, giving him a ton of scoring opportunities. So obviously Freeman is a very sought after player. He went ninth overall in this mock. He's a consensus first round pick. So if we can get first round value with an injury in the sixth round, yeah, that's a great dart throw for me. Round seven, nobody likes this guy. He's too old. He just keeps doing it. There's nothing sexy about him. But what competition does Frank Gore have in Indianapolis? You know, it reminds me of some of the stuff that Ty Montgomery is seeing in Green Bay. He may be an incomplete player, but it's not like Marlon Mack is going to step in right away and take the job from him. Mack was a player that showed some flashes at Texas, but was never super sexy. Um, And Gore just keeps doing it, man. We keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. When's it going to happen? But Gore keeps proving us wrong. And if Gore is going to be an outlier season after season, well, I'm going to kind of bet on him until it's time to, you know, cash our chips in. I'm going to go with the Donnie Peters roulette method. Don't bet against a streak. Now, do I expect Frank Gore to get better this season for his uh, player output to increase exponentially? No, but I can even sustain a little bit of a downtick getting him in the seventh round. My biggest fear with this is that uh, the Colts are going to stink. They're going to be really bad, honestly, like bottom five in the league. So scoring opportunities might be far and few between, which kind of stinks for a player like Gore. Um, But, you know, seventh round, we get a starting running back. He's going to get a lot of touches. We're talking 200-plus touches if he stays healthy. Can't really pass that up uh, in the seventh round especially when we're just looking for guys with a pulse right now to fill our running back slots. So we know that Gore's going to get some looks. Uh, He keeps fighting the age thing, so get him on the roster. Next, uh, we go to a younger player. And and real quick about Frank Gore. uh, I had... There was two players that I could have selected in that slot instead of him. Uh, Danny Woodhead won a pick later. And then Jonathan Stewart, a guy that I really love, kind of a guy that's similar to Frank Gore. You know, people gen- tend to be down on him, uh, but they are in pretty decent offenses, and their role is pretty well-defined. Again, I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to come in here and be the every-down back. I think Stewart is going to get his, much to the chagrin of fantasy owners across uh, the universe. Um, but I think I would defer to Gore uh, just because of the presence of Cam and some of the goal line situations. Uh, with Woodhead, you know, I think that Woodhead is a pretty solid red zone player. Uh, I talked about it a bit earlier. He he runs out of the shotgun very well, is able to knife through the line and find the end zone. But I think his price is, is just creeping up a little bit too much for me. Uh, he feels more of a receiving back, which again, we're in standard. Um Terrence West isn't fantastic, but he fills that role of big body back. Um, so if my roster, if I if I didn't need this position player to likely start early and often, I might take more of a flyer on Danny Woodhead um, and kind of hope for him to develop into more of an every down player and get some of those red zone touches. But I just, I, I know more of Gore's role than Woodhead at this given time. Again, game of information. So I just felt more comfortable uh, taking Gore in that spot. So next round, Samaj P. Ryan was my selection. A rookie who 
rookie out of Oklahoma was alongside Joe Mixon. And why can't he be the starter? You know, Fat Rob Kelly, not a great player. Uh, they've shown that they are not big fans of Matt Jones, so there's pretty much no chance that he'll be the starting running back on that team. Uh, so the rookie could take the reins right away. We're in the first week of the preseason here. We just had the first game last night, so it would not shock me if Pirine was the week one starter. And again, we're looking for guys in efficient offenses that are going to have opportunities to score, and that's one thing Jay Gruden loves to do with those Washington racial slurs is get in a position to score. Fifth in offense DVOA last year, fourth in rush offense DVOA, despite having terrible running backs in Fat Rob Kelly and Matt Jones. All we need is the opportunity for P. Ryan to get valuable touches in this offense, and he is going to produce. Uh, and there's not many guys left in the draft that can give you that type of production. Uh, the guys that are going in this area, we're talking Matt Forte. There's no chance the Jets have that efficient of an offense. Uh, Jeremy Hill. Uh, you know, Jeremy Hill has disappointed us over and over again. Crowded backfield, but even if there is an injury to Mixon or Bernard, there's still going to be a two-headed monster there that splits the touches. And are the Bengals going to be as efficient as Washington? Are they going to push the ball as much? Ah, they're just not as aggressive as a team. Jamal Charles, you know, throw your hands in the air. Kareem Hunt, from an opportunity standpoint, could definitely usurp Spencer Ware and get a, the bulk of the touches this season in Kansas City. But again, from an efficiency standpoint, Andy Reid, a bit conservative. We don't see Alex Smith driving the ball down the field. Red zone opportunities are not going to be as frequent as they're going to be in Washington. So P. Ryan is a player I'm very interested in. I kind of hope that he doesn't have one of those Amir Abdullah, uh, you know, amazing plays during this preseason because if he remains an eighth-round value, even a seventh-round value, he's a guy that I'm going to be scooping up uh, across a lot of leagues this season. And then finally, I'll round out my running back uh, <laughs> fire off here with the fifth one I picked, and that was a little more conservative, but again, a defined role. Uh, looking at this roster, I feel like I just need starters, guys that I can trust in starting. And Jaquiz Rogers is one of those guys. Doug Martin will be serving a suspension uh, at the beginning of the season for Tampa Bay. No, not for moonwalking on <laughs> hard knocks, uh, but for uh, violating the league's substance policy. He'll miss the four, first four weeks of the season, and there's no guarantee when he returns that he'll have a sustained role on the squad. So if you're looking for uh, the entire season, a player uh, uh, like McNichols, the rookie, might be interesting. But to start the season as the lead back, I mean, we saw it last year. Jaquiz Rogers stepped in and had high-volume games. I mean, we saw him tote the ball 30-plus times in one game. He had 130 carries last year for 560 yards, and he's going to have a role as the starter for the first four weeks of the season. That's great. If any of our other four running backs that we pick, or a bunch of them, multiple, struggle to start the season, well, we can always plug in Rodgers and at least know that the volume is going to be there. Now, for the season, uh, do I think Jaquiz Rodgers is somebody that week to week uh, 
can give me a ton of points. No. But remember, fantasy is a weekly game. You have to win your week. So don't pick a player that you project out to score points for the whole season. Think of it as weekly construction. That's why you don't want to get guys like pair guys like, let's say, Deshaun Jackson and Martavis Bryant, guys that have these binary outputs because your roster is going to be a mess. Sometimes they might hit at the same time and other times they might miss at the same time. So you have your results are going to be all over the place. But pairing, you know, these uh, high-low players with more steady players gives you a more balanced output. So for the first four seasons, uh, for the first four weeks, excuse me, I know I know that I can use Jaquiz, uh, but given that I just took four running backs before him, I'm not going to need him necessarily for the latter part of the season. I'm going to have other guys that I can hopefully plug in and get some results from. I decided to get some depth at receiver after that running back run, and I picked up Corey Coleman and John Ross in the 10th and 11th rounds. I could have taken more uh, uh, safer options. Uh, we had Marvin Jones and Tyrell Williams among the receivers. I could have selected at least in that first slot. Uh, also, um, I guess you could call Adam Thielen a little safer, but I don't really want safety out of these guys. Again, because I use such high equity on Julio, Brandon Cooks, and Martavis Bryant, um, if they get hurt or if, if they have a bad season, the odds that my team is going to be bad are are pretty high. Um, so I'm just looking for some great high-value, high-output guys in this position, and I think Coleman and Ross can fulfill those. Coleman coming into his second year, will the Cleveland offense be better? I don't know. I don't know what to think of Cody Kessler, and I certainly don't know what to think of Deshaun Kaiser, but there is a chance that he could be to the pedigree of what we were uh, sold on last year and step into that wide receiver one role with Terrell Pryor absent and uh, put out some big stats. Uh, there's also the chance that Kenny Britt fills that role. He's a player I could have selected in this spot, but I went, I decided to go with youth. I decided to go with Coleman. Unlike Britt, he can make some of his bread closer to the line of scrimmage, get some easier throws in there for Kessler or Kaiser, whomever is the quarterback. And he's presumably the wide receiver of the future, seeing that Cleveland used so much draft equity on him last year. So it would behoove them to get him involved and uh, let him grow a little bit on the field. And then John Ross, you know, he's got a really good chance to be effective in that Cincinnati offense uh, across from A.J. Green. Now, the Bengals' wide receiver corps uh, does have some competition, uh, including a guy that I, I don't think gets enough love because, he's again, he's not sexy, but he just keeps on doing it. Brandon LaFell is just consistent. You know, he's just he's never been a player that blew your mind. Uh, he had one season in New England where he kind of blew the top off, but that's because he was on uh, the Patriots. You know, you you can have a 1,000 yards and, and eight touchdowns if you have a pulse uh, on the Patriots. But I know Adrian Green got hurt last year, but 107 targets, 64 catches, 862 yards, and six touchdowns for Brandon LaFell is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, he's obviously got a size advantage over uh, Ross, but uh, I don't know. I think, I think Ross... It reminds me of Tyler Lockett, and I think Tyler Lockett actually has some uh, post-type sleeper value this year as well. Uh, John Brown in in that small, quick, you know, big play opportunity. Uh, you know, if you 
give me the reason why you want Lockett or Brown, that's fine. You know, I can't really argue with you. But they're big play potential players uh, that I think could have some value um, this season, whether or not they boom or they bust. Uh, the fact that the Bengals invested so much in drafting Ross this season kind of tells me that they're not in love uh, with Tyler Boyd, who they drafted last year, which leads me to believe that Ross might have some opportunity right away. Uh, but again, this is an 11th round pick. If it doesn't work out, uh, we can filter through the wire anytime. And another reason why uh, I wanted to go with more boomer bust players here in Coleman and Ross is that I think in a 12-team league, there's going to be opportunities to go to the waiver wire and pick your run-of-the-mill Mohamed Sanus, right? Your run-of-the-mill Devin Funchesses of the world. Anquan Bolden, even, who just signed with the Bills. If you need guys that are that have a pulse and are going to get a couple yards and not give you a donut at the position, those guys are going to be available on the wire. So don't feel the need to spend a draft pick on them, especially in these later rounds. Uh, you know, might as well fire off uh, a boomer bust player in the late rounds. If they don't work, you just cut them in week one or week two if you, if you need to and uh, move on with your life. The last position player I took that was not a quarterback was Jonathan Williams in the 12th round. You know, interesting player. Uh, the Bills moved on from Gillisley, which in the eyes of some of the metrics people in the community was a massive mistake. I believe he was the most efficient running back last year, according to number fire, uh, which is pretty wild. And unsurprisingly, Bill Belichick goes and scoops him up. But the Bills not matching the offer sheet leads me to believe that they at least like the second year running back in Williams. And with that offensive line performing as well as it did last year and LaShawn McCoy getting up there in age, you know, there's an opportunity here that Williams might get uh, some good work uh, in a pretty decent system against uh, some pretty average competition. You're going to get the, the Jets twice. You know, that's, that's always a benefit. So I think Jonathan Williams is definitely a good dart throw. Uh, if we look at Gillisley's production from last season, uh, you know, 100 attempts, 500 yards, eight touchdowns. Now, I don't think we can just give those <laughs> uh, as simply to uh, Jonathan Williams. But Gillisley did all that with a healthy Shady. Shady missed one game last season. So as a complimentary piece, that is the output that Gillisley was able to give. So even if Jonathan Williams never sniffs the starting job here, you know, there's a chance that he can be a weekly flex player if need be, which is interesting to get a player like that this deep in the draft. Again, we're just throwing darts here in the later rounds. If you need to cut them and fill a need, you can do so. Other running backs that I like in this spot, uh, DeAndre Washington, he could have some opportunity with an old Marshawn Lynch. Very efficient offense in Oakland. Some scoring opportunities coming there. Darren McFadden, although, I don't know. He's disappointed so much that even if Zeke is suspended or goes down, I don't know how much we can expect from him. And then Alvin Kamara is a player that's interesting to me. Uh, despite signing Adrian Peterson and having an efficient back like Mark Ingram, they still traded up in the draft to get him. But again, this is standard, so... Um, not as interesting as in PPR. I think Kamara is going to have an immediate pass-catching role in that offense. 
All right, so for my quarterback, yes, I waited till the 13th round to take a quarterback, and it's Carson Palmer, and I'm fine with it. Uh, quarterback is a position in a 12-team league that I will be the last guy to get my starter unless something drastic happens where Rodgers falls to the 7th round, uh, and I'll likely stream the position if I don't hit on my drafted player. I think Palmer is just fine. You know, we're a couple years removed for him from him being a top five uh, fantasy quarterback. And Bruce Arians is addicted to pushing the ball downfield. John Brown is back. They say that the sickle cell trait uh, is not as uh, damaging this year, although it's always there. They drafted Chad Williams. Larry Fitzgerald is a killer. <laughs> you know, he's he's never going away. David Johnson's great out of the backfield. Um, so I love it. I love Carson Palmer. I think they're going to be high tempo, up tempo, high efficiency, a lot of scoring opportunities. The interceptions suck, but there's so much upside that getting him in the 13th round, yeah, it's great. And then defense and kicker. You know, <laughs> kicker is whatever. I honestly don't think there's very much strategy that goes into picking the position. But defense, there is uh, opponent analysis. You can look for bad teams, bad quarterbacks. And I decided to take the Jags defense. Week one, they get Houston, uh, which means there's either going to be Deshaun Watson, who actually looked pretty good last night, or Tom Savage under center. Could be some great turnover opportunities. Uh, Other week one team that you could look at if you want to start off the season, uh, the Bills, they're going to play at home against the (laughs) terrific amazing New York Jets, and there's also the Pittsburgh Steelers that play the Cleveland Browns. So three defenses that if you're going to stream and you just need a week one team uh, for you to target in your drafts. And that's that. That That is my mock draft. Again, look what happened when I decided to forego taking Zeke in the first round. I had to dedicate pretty much the middle of my draft to getting a bunch of running backs. Um, I think my biggest mistakes in this draft, we're skipping on Zeke. I think I would have been more comfortable being more balanced, having a running back like him on my roster. And then that week, uh, week three, that round three pick of Brandon Cooks, I think I would have liked to have Terrell Pryor instead, looking back. It would have been nice to split, uh, have instead of having two Patriots pass catchers that are competing for the same workload, split those up a little bit. And Pryor, again, man, stepping into a team that, had just lost 200 targets, big body, efficient offense. Uh, he could be a killer this season. Don't forget to follow Gridiron Gamble on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast. We will actually do some pro- positional previews with the gang in the next couple days, next couple weeks. And then before you know it, it will be football season. We'll be talking about all the games on the slate, arguing with one another, talking about a loom. So be on the lookout for that. Until next time, peace. Peace.